Coffee Quad Time. for the Wednesday Morning Coffee Club. Welcome to the Wednesday Morning Coffee Club with Bill and Jenny Sparks, Dave and Chris Reekard, Tim Oni, and the crew. Bill will be taking your phone calls and you will hear lots of conversation. We will have cooking tips, Demonstrations of products and much, much more. And you may reach us by calling 1 646 558 8656. You will need the meeting ID 848 725 450. And when you're asked for a user ID, just press pound. You may download Zoom from the Play Store or the App Store. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Bill Sparks. Well, good morning to you. Good morning. It's Wednesday morning, even though it seemed like a very short night for me last night, but I'll go into that in just a moment. But we are here, 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 and the whole crew is here. Uh, Everybody hearing me okay? The crew? Oh, no wonder you couldn't hear me. Sorry. Um, I had the wrong button turned down, Jeff. Oh, no, we we were hearing you. We were hearing you. Actually, that's a little bit better, though. Okay. All right. Well, we're all good, and um, we're here, 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 here. I've got something to talk about a little bit before we get started, and I want to address this issue and get it over with, and... And so we can go on with it, okay? We've had a few incidents of cases of what I call maybe stalking or um, abusing people on the request line. Now, the request line is set up for the enjoyment of the listeners so that we can hear what you want to 
request. It is not to stalk somebody or to make vicious comments about them. That is not the purpose. Now, fortunately, I can remove the people that are making the offensive comments and at least block them from that particular number. That will not be tolerated on the legend. The request service is provided free of charge, and it's something that drives our station, and we really love. But I've been a victim of that a couple times this last summer and some other staff members. So we will not tolerate that. Um, we're here to request, to have you have your requests made and have a good time. That's what this is all about. So the people that are doing that will be dealt with and dealt with. And we just do, we just don't run that kind of radio station. So now that I'm off my soapbox, We'll go to Dave and Chris and see how they're doing. We're good. It's good. a little cool this morning. It was 43. Definitely yesterday felt like fall. And this weekend I hear we have highs in the lower 60s. It looks like I'm finally going to get to make some chili, although I'm not ready for snow. So um, somebody can just keep that away. They can keep that up. I'm going to fly back. You're going to get a foot of snow in Altoona, Pennsylvania this Sunday, Chris. I'll send it all to you. (laughs) Let's go to you, Jeff. How are you this morning? I'm doing very well. And when I got up this morning, it was 43 degrees here in Albany, New York. We're supposed to get to a high of about 70 or 75. I'm not sure if it's going to even make make that. But, uh, you know, I don't like the cold weather. I know that falls here, but we've had a very hot summer this year. But I would prefer it warmer than colder. But I'm not going to complain because I can't. Can't control the weather. Everything is good here in Albany, New York. It's been about um, 90 degrees here every single day. Oh, bring it up here, please. <laughs> oh, but I'm I'm coming back to Indiana on Friday night, so I'll get used to the cooler weather again for a while. Jenny, how are you doing? I'm doing well. There is a cricket who has decided to participate in the coffee club this morning so you may hear him periodically i heard that <laughs> well hey we need all i don't the... know exactly where he is or i'd get him out of here but he's somewhere yeah. but uh it's, it got cool here last night but it's supposed to be 81 today they say we need all the listeners we can get and if it's a cricket so be it crickets are welcome they're welcome. I told him he had to be quiet, but I don't know if he listened to me or not. Tell him to call in on the request line. I only thought, I only thought crickets were out in the nighttime, not the daytime. But I maybe, guess you can maybe hear you'll the request daytime. Buddy Holly and the crickets or something. I was just like going to say, maybe Buddy, Buddy Holly will join. That maybe, maybe yeah, can... maybe so. Well, they make that noise by rubbing their legs together. That's how they do it. Oh. And and as the temperature gets lower or higher, it depends on the pitch of the uh, of the animal. That that, that oh. I also learned once. Well. That'll be good. Uh, Mr. Tim, how are you? Real good. Um, it's, uh, well, actually pretty nice here today. It's 60 degrees, but uh, we're supposed to get down to 42 tonight. So um, oh. winter, I mean, fall is, is coming pretty quick here, I think. Uh, we got up into the mid-80s yesterday, so you never know. Uh, well, we... Uh, heaven, there's not going to be fall here. 
I don't think. Um, it was 90 degrees yesterday and 92, so I don't think we've we've got that to worry about. What Florida, what fall they do get seems to be in like late October. We were down there in October once. Yeah, we're so far south, I don't know. We don't get too much of it. And we'll get to those raised hands in a minute. Is there anybody else on the panel I've missed? I don't think they wanted think. me to finish. <laughs> <laughs> well, what were you going to say, Tim? Oh, nothing. But all of a sudden, when I was talking, you it said the host has muted you. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't mute you. I didn't either. I didn't either. I really didn't. I didn't touch it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Actually, I didn't have much more. So oh. anyway... I haven't muted you yet. It doesn't mean that it won't happen, but... Yeah, I know, I know. Not yet. Probably during my show. (laughs) That's that's a good plan. If you don't quit calling that 800 line and harassing people. Yeah. Yeah. So, but seriously, guys, we take that very seriously, and it just will not be tolerated. So, anyway, we I will deal with it, and... We ex- we expect a very um, good environment here on the legend. So, um, I guess we've got some raised hands. Yes, we do. So, I'm going to give you the order that they are so you can prepare to unmute yourselves, please. We have Joe in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Marianne in uh, uh, Boulder, Colorado, and Gail in uh, Sauk Rapids, Min- no, Sauk Rapids in, in Minnesota. I forgot. So, let me yep, just do Sock this. Rapids. So, let me get to... So I'm going to have you talk, Joe. Go ahead, Joe. Oh, yeah. Th- th- thank you very much. Buddy Holly and the Crickets. Oh, the memories. Back to my popular music days, teenage, strapping teenager and young adult. Anyway, it's 54 degrees here. It's going to get up to 86. We're going to have some still, some summer-like days left, and we're going to enjoy them to the max. Yes, we are. Marianne, can you unmute yourself, please? And uh, Marianne, uh, we're going to find out. There you go, Marianne. How are you? And hopefully hopefully you'll start at work yet. Or I don't know if you have yet. But um, I, Good morning to all. I did actually start work, and I will be at my desk in about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, learning a whole bunch of new things. It's training time for about eight weeks. They say we're going to have a really, really rapid training because normally training is 12 weeks, but it's going to be eight weeks for us because they really need the people on the floor and so uh or at our home phones or something but uh it's really interesting learning all this new technology and unemployment law and all kinds of fun stuff um all i can say for the low lives who uh don't behave is get a life everybody on the legend has one you ought to get one too good going are you going to be working from home permanently or you will you be going into the office to work as well Possibly at some point we'll be going into the office, but at least for right now, it's all planned to be at home. I have to go down to the office today to do HR paperwork and kind of put my face in the place for a minute and um, and all that. You know, I've got to do the I-9s and they have to verify the Social Security cards and all this fun stuff so they can... So they can say you are who you are and all that kind of thing. And uh, so Puppy and I will be making a trip down to Denver today in the afternoon. But they're paying us to do it, so that's good. Now remember, my name is Jeff Bennett, so when you fill out that form, put my name on it so I get your paycheck. Oh, man, you're too late. I filled them out on Sunday, man. You should (laughs) have called me then. 
I'm just giving you a hard time, Marianne. Bill, did you get your AC worked out? I haven't had a chance to ask you. Um, The AC is going to be installed tomorrow. I took one, two, three, four, five, six offers. I picked the middle offer uh, about the middle of the pack. They started at a low of five thousand and went up over nine thousand. I took the middle of the pack because I like the warranty. I got a ten-year warranty on parts and labor, and nobody else was willing to do that for me. So that's why I chose that particular um, dealership. So. Tomorrow morning, they're going to start. I'm going to the doctor here for the first time, and they're coming to work on the, put the new air conditioner in. That is awesome. And for those, I I wasn't in last week, so I didn't get a chance to tell you the snow definitely flew in Boulder uh, Monday and into Tuesday. And we did get about, oh, I want to say maybe three or four inches. Oh, my. Uh, but, you know, by the weekend, we were back up to the high, high 80s, low 90s. Um, and it was about 55 this morning, going up into the high 80s today. Hey, and before you go, Marianne, how is your guide dog doing? And is he doing okay with the chiropractic treatments and everything else? He is actually doing incredibly well. He has not had an episode in months now, which I am very thankful for. He goes back for his kind of, well, I mean, he'll be probably going every three months or so just to get a quick little alignment. And when I say quick, I mean like three or four minutes, super fast appointments. But um, his his chiropractor is awesome, and um, and he's been doing really, really well. I'm very, very thankful because they were scary episodes to see. And does your dog have a problem with the chiropractor? Oh, God, no. He loves them. He, the, the chiropractor makes homemade dog cookies. Oh, I guess I could see why. <laughs> he has his priorities straight. He understands exactly what's important. Very, very good. Gail is next on the list here. And thank you, Mary. Go ahead, Gail. I'm finally, I'm finally going to get my new mattress. You're going to get a new I'm mattress. I'm finally going to get my new um, mattress. It, it, there were some problems with the place I went through. Um, it's called Cloud Nine, and but the thing of it is, some of the stuff he had to get, they he couldn't get because it was made in China. So there are people that are he's not too happy with some of this, but the, the way things are, I'm going to be getting. He'll let me know what's in, if when it's in, and then he'll in, put things in for me and stuff like that. So I'm finally seeing an, an end to that problem. Thank the good Lord. <laughs> Very good. Because my mattress here, there's a big hole where one of the coils is sticking out. Oh. It's, it's after how many years, it just needs to go. <laughs> well, then maybe you'll get some good sleep now. Very yeah. good. Yeah. Thank, this is great. Um, and I'm enjoying, I'm really enjoying the legend. And I hope, I hope whatever, I hope this whole thing is cleared up because I want to see you guys do well. And I, I love the legend and I love requesting. And I just, when I hear things like that, I think... Boy, people with nothing constructive to do with their day. Well, let's not let's not give him any more intention that that than we've already given him, Gail. No, right, but, but we, no, we, I'm just saying. I'm just right. saying in general. I would rather see us have fun here. And that reminds me, Gail. And I was going to add this to all listeners, and I really want your input. Whether you want to send me an email at bill at billsparks.org 
or call in on shows like this where you can call in. We want your input going forward. What do you want in the automation when we're not live on the air? Do you want what we're doing? Do you want more 60s, 70s music? Do you want, what do you, what do you want the legend to be? Do you want there to be more voiceover, something different? What, what would you like um, on the legend during the day? Do you want more country in the, in the mix? What do you want? We need so you just know. want me to email well, no, you can email, you can talk it right now. And that's like for automation, right? For automation. That's for automation. We're not taking anybody's show off. Oh, uh, I didn't think so. But it would be nice if there were some some old-time radio mixed in with it. Ugh. Not, well, you know, little things, maybe, short things, maybe. Yeah. The, that, some of the retro commercials and some of the crazy, like, uh, please don't squeeze the Charmin and stuff like right. that. Right. Well, have uh, you heard our retro commercials, Gail? Yes, yes. And they are great. Keep up the good work. Yeah, that is a possibility. <laughs> I mean, it's just one possibility, but we, um, our live shows do usually quite well, but the automation itself, the listening to the automation has gone quite down. So that tells me that maybe a tweak or two needs to be done. Uh, We don't want to break up the core of the legend, but we also want to get listeners. Of course, that's understandable too. So I am, those are just some ideas, you know, whatever works, whatever happens to work. Well, we're going to do Maybe our very some best. Good game. voice tracking once in a while, so it sounds like somebody's there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Good voice tracking. Good voice tracking. It looks like we've got a few tra- hands. Yes, we do. Bill, would you unmute yourself? Hit star six on your touchstone phone, please. Unmute yourself. Go ahead, Bill. All right, I'm here. Uh, it's about 60 degrees here. Going to get to about 80. Rain this afternoon. And we've got the smoke from the fires out west. It's been here the last couple of days we're going to get more the rain may clear some of it out tonight but it'll come back and i understand the smoke's all the way to central russia now across the northern part of the country and all the way across the ocean and a little, another kind of a sad story i don't know the person but my nephew that lives in uh oh, brush prairie, pardon? that lives in brush prairie washington uh a town about a half hour from them West of him on the ocean, on the uh, sea seashore, uh, totally burnt down. And there was a friend of theirs. She had two horses. She brought the two horses to the stable they used for their horses. And while she was there, she wasn't even there 15 minutes. And they called and said, your house was just burned to the ground. So those fires are something out there. I mean, it's, it's, it's really bad because I know my cousin had to evacuate. Now, this cousin here, or my nephew here, he... Um, is on standby. They can't cut grass. They can't. They can't barbecue. They can't do anything. And they're just. Their fire is about. Well, the other day my sister told me the fire was about forty minutes from his house, but it was, he was west of the fire yet. So, it's well. amazing those fires. I know when we were in Naples last year, but they had forest fires not too far from us, and the smoke was so bad a couple days that you couldn't even. Go outside. You could smell it in the house with the windows shut. Yeah, we're well, not getting well, we smoke, got... but we're getting haze. 
Yeah, we got. Well, our smoke yeah. is high. I mean, it's, it's hazy, hazy sun, but it's up there. They're saying. I, I don't know if this, down this, I don't know if this is possible, but there were some fires in Quebec, and we're we <clears throat> we're. We boarded the area of Montreal and Quebec and New York State, and they were coming into New York State. And I said, I smelled smoke. And someone said, well, I think that may be from the fires in Quebec, but I didn't think you could smell smoke from that far away. But I guess you can, maybe you can. Oh, yeah, I, I think so. Well, you, I really can't smell it here. But yesterday, my eyes were irritated all day yesterday. They're not so bad today, and I figured it must have been to the smoke. I think that must be what I was smelling yesterday, because I told Jackie it smells like somebody's burning trash or something. And oh, it was we, even... we could smell it last year. No, it wasn't the smoke, Jennifer. It was my cooking. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> we could smell it last spring, let me tell you, when it, when it happened down here. So right. right. That is a... All right. Thank you, Bill. Alan Ramos, I'm going to... I'm going to... Let me... I... I love the Zoom. Go ahead, Alan. Good morning uh, to the panel. Uh, we have 61 degrees right now here in Ontario, and probably we'll get up to the mid-90s, probably about to 100 degrees. Whoa, you're going to get some warm weather. You know, Bill, I'm really happy with the 50s and 60s during the night when, when I listen to the legend. You are? And maybe the, oh, yeah, and, and some country maybe could be mixed in. Well, that's always a good possibility to mix in a little yes. bit of country. Um, it seems a lot of people like country. Of course, I do a country so so I like country. Yeah. But we, you know, you're always trying to find the right the right combination or to keep people interested during the day when there are not live presenters on. So you do the best you can. We and also, we're getting the smoke from the fires, you know, that's oh, yeah. around us. Now, would you take San part? Bernardino area and and the uh, yeah. Azusa mostly around that area. Alan, let me ask you this question: If you could send an email in anytime or fill out a form on the Legend site and request songs anytime you wanted it, would you like that? Yeah, I like the, uh, the doing it from the browser. Just hit the submit button. That works real well. Yeah, if I didn't know if you I like haven't that. done it uh, on occasionally I have done it. Yeah. It just just so I think ideas, it works out so. real well, Bill. Uh, and how's Walter doing? Uh Walter's doing pretty good. 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 Is there anything else this morning? No, there's not anything for now. All right. Well keep listening. I wonder would it be hard? There's no way to make the automation speak, is there? Like, remember the um, old WFBQ that used to be here, how they would play, like, three or four songs, and then this automated voice would come on and say, you just heard whatever by whatever. That would lose listeners. You wouldn't get listeners if you had an automated voice like that. You can voice track with the automation. Um, maybe something like that, Jennifer, or close. Um, could possibly be done. Do we have anybody else? Oh, yes, we got... Ellen, Ellen. go ahead, Ellen. I don't think she's muted. Ellen, are you ready to talk? You keep, why does it keep telling me it's muted? You... Can you unmute yourself, Ellen? Hit star six on your touchtone phone, please. I finally got it. There, there go ahead, Ellen. Finally. You're on. Yeah, okay. Um, two things. One, I got my phone I needed a new battery so I'm actually 
Good to go. So that's nice. And uh, number two, well, we need a, a, a just a, a just a variety of stuff. Throw in, you know, your 50s, 60s, 70s uh, country. Just, you know, just a variety will work. A wide variety. Because there's enough music out there now and stuff that, and if you, you know, that you can create that. So there's my two cents worth. <laughs> so you go for a bigger variety of music. Yeah. Okay. I think that'd be nice. Yeah. Do you want more voices between songs? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I can do basically whatever, but yeah, um, you can do, I know that voice tracking is possible, and so, you know, that'd be kind of good, just, you know, announcing once, once in a while what, what's being played, or whatever. Yeah, we can do that, maybe a little information. Something like that. So, well, that's a good idea, Alan. Thank you. Yeah, sure, no problem. Next on the list is Jerry out in uh, Indiana, Pennsylvania. Can you unmute yourself, Jerry? And you star, star six on your phone to unmute yourself. Go ahead, Jerry. We got you. Okay. Good morning, everybody. We're gonna have uh, it's in the fifties. We're gonna have highs in the eighties. And uh, regarding the smoke uh, from the fires, okay, I had the news on last night, and they were saying in the Pittsburgh area, um, people could see it that the sunset looked a little different, that it looked like a, uh, you know, a ball of fire in the sky and all that kind of stuff. And that was the kind of effect uh, the fires were having here in western Pennsylvania. And also, let's see, as far as the legend, uh, you know, as far as tweaking up the automation, maybe like uh, with the overnight hours or something, or some, sometimes during the days you get up a day of um, old-time radio, or you could have uh, a country night or whatever, like from midnight to 7 or whatever. I don't know, but you have a good variety now. Well, we'll see what we can do. Um, you know, I didn't know if we need more talking, more, more automation, more, more talking. What is happening with Legend Talk, or isn't that not? Yeah, that's going to go. It's just a matter of uh, just getting a few things prepared for it. But I, I think that will go. In fact, okay. That Thank may you, Jerry. Be going soon. And next up on the list, we always save the best for last, I guess. Go ahead, Gary. <laughs> well, thanks a lot to check from the mail, Jeff. I put a few extra zeros uh, at the end of it. But uh, talking about fires in uh, the 90s when I was li living in Galveston, um, there were some fires in across the Gulf of Mexico. And so that was, you know, a few hundred miles away. And we could smell the smoke. But the cool thing about it was was what it did to FM and TV propagation. So that was fun every, you know, for a few days. You'd have, like, all these stuff, all these stations from up and down the west, uh, the Gulf Coast, and I could watch The prices Right in Spanish and all this. It was pretty cool back then to do that. And it was all full, quieting uh, signals. Uh, uh, yeah, that was good. 
Well, that, I like I like that sporadic-y, but that, we're going to lose our listeners if we talk like this. But I do like yeah. when, you can, when you can get FM stations from far away because the furthest I've ever gotten the FM station was in Albany, New York, was from Florida and Savannah, Georgia. So that's always a lot of fun, Gary. Thank yeah, you. That's, sure. That's a lot of fun. Remember when all the stations we got in the solar eclipse, Bill? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And anything else going on in your life, Gary? Gary. No, I think Chris muted. I think Chris muted them. Okay. Well, Gary will come back. You know, um, I didn't hear the Apple thing, Bill, and maybe you could talk just a little bit about it, only because I didn't get to hear it. I, I, I got busy doing something else, but I didn't even hear the news people talk about it yesterday, so it must not have been that, that I don't know, maybe it wasn't as spectacular as I thought it, as I thought it would be. Well, they're going to... Um, Introduce a new Apple, an update on the Apple Watch, and it's going to be much better at reading your blood and your oxygen, uh, some type of meter, which is really good, and it's going to be good for sleep apnea folks who have those issues. Of course, now they get quite expensive, but but that does sound good. Um they're going to have a new iPad, and that's going to be a good thing. Um, they just keep making these things faster and faster and faster and faster. Um, uh, one of the iPads has an interesting... It's It has a um, place where you can touch it. They, they brought the the part back with there's no home key but you can you can still use your finger for touch on one part of the um of the device they said it was on the top button on the on top one button. of the ipads anyway there's two there's an ipad pro and then there's an ipad right. and that's a good thing we hope that carries over to the phone so that way you don't always have to look at it so that's that's a good thing, um, you know, with it coming out and, you know, with the improvements to the Apple Watch, I'm not much of a, I don't know that I could justify an Apple Watch, but I suppose if it ever gets to the point where it could read, you know, your um diabetic or your your blood sugar then maybe i would really take an interest in it but right now it checks your blood and your oxygen level so and especially maybe if you're having a heart condition so in in that way i i think it's it it's kind of a good thing they tell me that the new versions the version six five and six are much faster than the third series so if you had problems with them being sluggish, then this is a much better deal for you. And what are they also coming out with the full Apple Watch, but also an SE version, which doesn't have all the features if you don't want all of the features of the complete Apple Watch. And you can get that, what, $279. So those are some of the things that I got out of it, Jeff, I did watch it. I will tell you that if you want some 
product demos because later today iOS 14 is coming out. You can listen to most in at large podcast, and I'm sure Apple Viz also has one. But Jonathan went through it step by step, and there are some great features as far as how you can arrange things, your library, your um, different ways things can be described for you. Or there's another setting where if you have trouble with an app, an app is not accessible. By turning this feature on, you're able to read a lot of apps and are able to use them that otherwise you wouldn't be able to use. So that's a good thing about iOS 14. Anybody else have anything to say about iOS 14? Like and then said, you're supposed to be right. able to put your default browser in it. Oh, yeah, that's a that's another good thing. You don't have to use Safari if you don't want to. You can use Chrome. You can... You can use um, Edge. You can use Firefox. So you can use the browser of your choice. That actually is nice. They should have done that a long time ago. Yeah, that's that. That's just just a few of the features. But the the ability to be able to, you know, sometimes. You'll go through Twitter, especially Twitter or Twitterific, and you'll see a post that has a a photograph, and you don't know what it is. Well, now with the setting, you can have it describe what what that picture is, or in some cases, it reads the text. So you're not totally left out. So there are some very good things about 14, I think, Chris, you were worried about the library? No, I I wasn't. I mean, I had just heard that. I didn't have any information. Um, The library is completely optional, so you do not have to do that. I mean, if you don't want to, you can leave everything, or it will set it up as it thinks you might want it. So, you know. When you talk about the library, you mean the place that stores all your apps? Is that what you're talking about, Bill? Right. It'll okay. store your apps and put them into and put them into news. folders. Breaking. Now we do LCSO. not need to. Two need men are not. in custody after they fire. There. Speaking of breaking news, we do not need that. There we go. So, but yeah, it will give you the choice. Because so, I have I have certain apps in certain folders that I've created, which is what I like. So, well, choices are always good, right? But choices are good. There are some of us who are not so neat freaks that maybe maybe that will be a a good choice. But those are just some of the things. And I listened to Jonathan Mosen's podcast last night called Mosen at Large, and got a lot of that information and he did some demos well he certainly does keep up on this stuff and you gotta you gotta admire him for that because he every time apple comes out with a new operating system or an update like that he's right there he really is right there with the technology so that's pretty good bill we do have two more hands raised we have uh sharon and we have fran avila i'm I'm gonna ask you to unmute yourself fran and then we have sharon bishop after fran okay 
So if you can get to unmute yourself, there you go. Go ahead, Fran. Here I am. All right. Good morning, everybody. Um, we call her my excitement for the week is that I'm getting an OptiGrill. You're getting an OptiGrill, okay? Yeah, I decided to go ahead and go for it and hope for the best and and uh, get an OptiGrill. So I was going to get just a <clears throat> regular. Um, you know, just a regular grill, but nah, I decided I wanted the sensor and all that. And I like the idea of it says, you know, that you can set it for steak or chicken or that sort of thing. So I hope that works out well. It's a birthday. It's an early birthday present. And you're going to retire that old grill that you had to buy these special bags for, but you're going to retire and say goodbye to it for a change or what? Yeah, most likely. I'm I'm gonna keep it for a while just to make sure that everything works for me with the OptiGrill, and then once I see that, then it's no more. I don't want to buy any more of those bags because it's. Um, no, you know, I was a little worried about you in the Rocket Grill. Um, oh really? <laughs> yeah, I was a little concerned. We were thinking about starting a a help friend deal out here where we were going to see if we could find you an OptiGrill or something to to do that. Now, I like I said, I've had two OptiGrills. I've not had luck with them, but that could have just been me. I've talked to several other people who have done well by them. I would urge you to get that marked to make sure that you've got each one of the things, chicken, beef, um, fish, whatever the case may be, as marked. And is there enough room to mark those, or do you just have to write a little little um, cheat sheet? You can put a couple letters. You can put a couple letters, you know, C-H oh, okay. for chicken, B-E-F for beef, whatever. You, right. You've got room for that. Oh, okay. So you, okay. You, you've got room. you just got to be careful and listen to the beeps, and it'll, right. beep, and it'll tell you what it is and it does better with boneless meat i think than than meat with bones in it but it oh okay it works you know it works uh you know well and if you check the meat while it's cooking and you don't want it you have to brace the lid all the way up and check it and put it back down if you don't want it to interrupt its cycle we did find that out right oh okay you don't want okay. to mess up its cycles. When yes. you plug it in for the first time, guys, do you, do you have to have a sighted person to help you set it up, or is it is it really plug and um, plug and play? Well, essentially, technically, it's as supposed to be. As long as you be, know where the buttons are, you don't. Yeah, technically, it's supposed to be plug and play. Ours was not. For whatever reason, we had to take some kind of book and something and press these keys and press this key. And, Press that key to get it back into the right mode to make it work. So, oh, man, I hope that doesn't happen with mine. <laughs> that's what happened to us. I think they make the newer ones better. I've heard I, of that anyway, because there's I've, people that don't uh, have any trouble with them. Yeah, I, I've talked to a few people that have them, and they like them. So, um, so I, I think more, more, more people that I talked to liked them that di- than didn't. So right. I it's not that they didn't like it. We just yeah, it's just it didn't work well for you. Well, it happened two or three times, and Gee. so it got to be a problem. But 
you know, it, it's just like anything else. You'll have to keep that that grill cleaned real good, and the oh, yeah. grease tray um, can be a problem. So you just want to keep on that, but it cooks a, a fine steak. You'll be able to cook your steaks, your chops, your fish, your chicken. You can cook hamburgers mm. on it. And, and because it grilling yeah. is normally a man function, you make Gary work the grill. <laughs> Lots of luck. I get. I can make him work the microwave. That's about as far as I can get with him. <laughs> I good at that. I was gonna say I can't get away with that. I, I live alone. I have no choice. The, the problem <laughs> yeah. with it when it got off, it was really bad, and we'd press a button and nothing would happen. And it wouldn't warm up, it wouldn't do this, it wouldn't do that. And well, if that's the case with mine, I'm sending it back to Amazon. Yeah. But I would, you know, I'll, have, I'll, you got, just, have you gotten this thing yet, or are you still waiting for no, it? No, I'm getting it tomorrow. Now, do you have any cited so, help to help you market? Um, I think I can get my downstairs neighbor to come up and just, you know, help me do that. Yeah, Hopefully I, I, I can, um, because we don't have anyone sighted here. And now my next project will be the oven, because both my, well, my oven went kind of, it's not cooking right. My, I have a big, um, it's a big toaster oven. It's almost like a convection toaster oven. And now I'm trying to decide between the um, Cuisinart and the uh, Amazon oven. And I think there was one other one I was looking at that was a Black and Decker. Problem is, and one of the reasons, one of the things I wanted to talk about, not just because of you know my trying to get an oven, but it's so hard to get things anymore because um, I'm I, you know I'm worried about will they let me look at it? You know, will they let me touch it? Um, well, that you know, because be they're amazing. so picky. I mean, they won't, don't even want to guide you in the stores. So, will will they, you know, show you the various things? So, I'm trying to do this. You know, I don't like to usually buy things, you know, that I haven't checked out to see if, you know, I can work it or not or how I like it. But you know, that's why it's been so hard to make the decision because I can't really go look at them. So I would say when I went to Best Buy a few weeks ago, I was able to look at every computer I wanted to there. Oh, okay. Now, yeah, I, I, I don't know if you went to look at these Cuisiners, like you know, I've got that Cuisiner oven here, and Nancy got one last week. Um, I. Let's see, I couldn't find that in the store. I had to order it, and I just took it on faith that, you know, it would work. But, um... Does it, do you like it pretty well, or...? I like it pretty well. Um, you know, it can do a lot of things. It uh, has two racks. I didn't see the three-rack one, but it has two racks, and... You know, you can air fry in it, you can bake in it, and or you can toast in it, you know, those type of things. And uh, I'm assuming all the, the, I'm assuming it has knobs or something that... It definitely has, definitely has knobs. You can mark the temperature with the braille dots. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that it definitely does. Um, you can definitely put a 12-inch pizza in it. 
I don't know oh, if okay. you can go any bigger than that. But yeah. You, you can definitely put a 9 by 13 pan in it. You, oh, that's nice. You, you can do that, and it's got a big air basket. It's very good about getting up to temperature quickly. So oh, okay. That that doesn't seem to be a problem with it. Um, you know, it's if I had a choice, would I take that or the June now? A year ago, what I would have told you, I would have taken the Cuisinart, but with the up, with the updates to the June, I I would take the June now. But understand, yeah. the June is three hundred well, more dollars. You gotta be comfortable using an iPhone. Right. Yeah. Well, the only reason I'm, uh, you know, I, I want that's the one I really want, but you know, it's a little bit beyond our price range. So. Yeah. Well, and they're still not showing them in stock yet. Because there's people that are waiting on replacements. Yeah, I noticed that. It's out of stock. And I remember you saying on here. You can cook steaks. You can cook fries in it. You can cook onion rings in it. You could probably cook fish. You could bake something in it. Because the buttons are very, very self-explanatory. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess I just like that idea about the, you know, the the June oven and using it with your phone and, and it. Now, what about no, our Black & Decker toaster oven, though, Bill, that has the physical buttons on it? It's the same as the Cuisinart, pretty much. The Black & Decker, though, I didn't never like the Black & Decker. Um, I, I don't even know what we did with ours. I think it's still out in the garage. It was okay. It did all right on toast. But I... I don't know. I, I just, it had presets, and the bad thing was that it, when if you changed the temperature, it remembered the last temperature it was on. It didn't. Default. Oh. So you'd have to remember if you, what you cooked at the last time to yeah. tell what temperature it was on. But it was oh. all buttons. Oh yeah, I don't think I'd like that. But. Well, you know, wait till you wait till you get your grill first, and then make a decision on the oven at this point. It, you know, because you got to learn that grill and everything else too. So, but the, but and the we have two, two yeah, we have hands. yeah we have two more hands raised. So okay, I didn't mean to take so much time. Thank you. No, I'm okay. glad to talk to you. Sharon Bishop, can you unmute yourself, please? Go ahead, Sharon. Morning, You're unmuted. Good morning, everybody. Um, it's like. 70 here and it's going to get up in the high 80s i think so y'all can send some of that cold here um i'm ready for it bobby doesn't like it but i do (laughs) and i don't know if tim is still listening but and i don't know if he's a football fan but sorry about the viking loss sunday i'm a green bay fan and they beat them so um and as far as the automation thing I think I'd like to hear a variety, like um, maybe um, a mixed uh, version of everything, country, jazz, um, 50s, 60s, and 70s, and maybe uh, some audio tracks, you know, in, in, and um, it was interesting hearing about the different ovens that y'all were talking about um, Maybe when our microwave goes out, <clears throat> we might get one of those, the Amazon or, I don't know, does the June do microwave? June does no, not no. do 
microwave. Sure does everything it else, It does though. everything else, but oh. it doesn't do the microwave. Okay. But the, you know, I've got here in Florida, I've got a $59 Amazon micro- microwave. And, you know, I just put something in there and say, Amazon microwave for five minutes. Boom. Amazon. Yeah. Dude, two baked potatoes. It just knows what to do. Amazon. Is that the one that that um, does the air fry too? No, no, it's just a microwave. Right. Oh, okay. The Amazon, the bigger one. See the the one at fifty nine dollars is a seven hundred watt microwave, so it's not real powerful. But hey, it does a job. But yeah. the more expensive microwave does it does do some air frying the only thing is you can only set the air frying on one temperature but oh okay both, um, but you can bake with it and you can do other things so and you can microwave with it and that's the one you get the Amazon dot with but yeah. that's $249 but it it works pretty well. Um, you know, it does what it's supposed to do. Yeah. And it does, and both of them now, I didn't order it for mine because they didn't have the ability at the time, but they've got a Braille overlay, which you can put on the both of those ovens, and they cook quite nicely. You know, you can oh, okay. use Braille. Okay. And also, I wanted to say that I I would love to get in touch with Fran and Gary somehow. Um, I need I would like to catch up with them. <laughs> so um, anyway, that's all I had to say. I'm enjoying the show. Well, thank you, Sharon. And um, why don't you send me an email sometime, and I will ask Fran and Gary. And then they can give me, and then I can send to you the contact information. Could that work for you? I think she muted. Oh. We have one more call, but I know we got to get to a demo or something at 10 o'clock here, Bill. Yeah. So let me get to you, Pam Francis. You're already unmuted. All right, quick question. This has to do, this is not about ovens or microwaves or anything of that sort. Um, this is more a radio question, but I'm just really curious. I Cecil went through the Hurricane Sally and is still experiencing it this morning without power, etc. And I'm curious to know, Jeff, you might have more knowledge about this, but um, isn't radio supposed to be a public service with reference to this type of emergency coverage? Because they had no radio coverage it was all tv uh and now and you're talking about where cecil is yeah he's out he's out in pensacola i don't he's understand why i don't understand why that would have happened fran because uh that but there's no you know the fcc has really relaxed all these public all these regulations and while radio stations are supposed to be public service and they're supposed to serve the people with the airwaves with all this stuff there are stations that don't, and the only time they'll do something about it is at the last minute if it's really important. So they had none. I, I sat up with this man all night long, and I, in order to preserve his cell phone battery, I I I, I had the TV three app on my phone for him 
just so that he could keep up with what was going on. Well, I, it's hard to believe that not one AM station or FM station none. was even talking about I it. I promise it, you, there but, was none. Well, I can't, I can't say yes or no, but I will tell you, with everything voice-tracked and automated, uh, that's what you're running into today, Fran. And there's not, I mean, Pam, there's not much I can say about it. I, I agree with you. I just, I, I just thought I would ask to see if, if, you, if, if I was totally off base or what was going on here. Now, mo- most cities, even the radio stations, will carry the television coverage. At the worst. Well, ours does. Our, ours here would, would have carried the television feed, but they didn't have anything. Right. Even their their FM station that is most popular down there didn't have any kind of coverage. It was all music. Well, I'm, we'll find is out what any, happens Let today. me ask you this. Is is there any any uh, means of, of complaining to the FCC about this kind of stuff? No. Because the, by law, there, there are no real laws concerning that. Unless the only time they have to, to uh, follow the regulations is if the weather service or the government or the local town it does an emergency broadcast. Wow. Okay. I, I... Yeah, All right, that, Pam. That would be up to the individuals. Most, most cities will do it. Yeah. And that's unusual. Bill, we have a, a call. Okay. From Debbie and Lafayette. Okay. Hey, Bill, this is Debbie Morgan. Um, I have a suggestion for your automation times, and I don't know if you can do this. I know you have the Coffee Club and All Things Radio on podcasts. Would there be a way that maybe different times during the day you could rebroadcast some previous um, All Things Radio shows and Coffee Club podcasts? That's just a thought. Thank you. Have a good day. And those people that put your station down, I'd have wrote them a letter, but I couldn't spell. Anyway, <laughs> bye-bye. <laughs> well, uh, All right, go ahead. I'm not, baby. Okay, get, honey. All right. We, um, that's, it's not the problem of putting the station down. It's putting the individual down on the air. Or harassing them, and that we can't have. So, but we'll take care of that one, Debbie. Uh, do we have anybody else ready to go before we? Nope. Nope. Do we're all demos? caught up. We had somebody on, but they weren't talking. So, I I got them. Okay. All right. So I guess it's that time. Of, so I got the eighth grade. We. We still have an issue there. I'm just going to go ahead and get this started, Chris. Okay. Uh, it's from Debbie Hill, and she was on last week. And hopefully at the end we'll have a little bit of time for questions on last week's M40, the Mantis Q40, and also this one. Well, here we go. Good morning, everyone. It's time now for another exciting demo. Well, kind of a demo. (laughs) Yeah. If that's what you want to call it, then that's what it'll be. (laughs) Well, today, once again, we have Debbie Hill, uh, and we are recording this on uh, Zoom. And uh, Debbie was on last week, and she talked about the Mantis. Mantis Q40. And... uh, this week, she is uh, going to talk a 
about a little, and she's going to give you a little bit of information about where she worked, worked, and um, she has a topic that she wants to talk about. Chris, you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, um, she used to do presentations, and she'll get into all this, so I'm going to keep it brief. She'll get into uh, this, but she did presentations for the National Institute of Health, NIH, and she did some presentations on uh, research development. So she's going to talk some about that, and she'll get into a little bit of uh, vaccine development, which is certainly pertinent to the virus today. So at this time, I will say hello to Debbie Hill and turn it over to Debbie. Okay, thanks, Dave. Hello, everyone. And um, first of all, um, just hope everyone's doing all right. And first of all, I want to tell you a little bit about uh, myself. Uh, I was a, I'm retired now, but I was a research, a research social worker, a medical social worker at the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland, which is the nation's premier research uh, facility. They not only do their own research, but we also fund research across the country um, for various, various things. Anyway, so I did work there, and I was asked to teach our patients a research class. And one of the topics that we discussed, which I thought you might find interesting, was medication development. How are medications, how did scientists come up with them? How do they go through the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, and um, then relate that to the vaccine development so you can see what is actually happening at this point with the vaccine development. So... Uh, let us get started. First, I'm going to talk, most of this is about the medication development, but it, it ended up applying pretty much to the vaccine development, too. Um, the first thing that when medications develop, the scientists try to find a compound that actually works. And they usually have to do a lot of looking. Um, they can look at hundreds or thousands of compounds to find one that actually seems to solve the problem that they're working on. Um, they, they can do different kind of uh, what they call assays, and they put the compounds in, into, you know, a Petri dish and use different enzymes and see if what they can, what they can grow. Um, a lot of times, drugs come from, originate from bacteria or fungus or uh, even viruses or mold, and they'll just grow them in a broth to see if they can come up with something that actually is useful in a medical setting. Once they have come up with a compound, the very first thing, when they think they have something that's useful, the very first thing that happens is it does have to go to animal studies. And they usually use two different species of animals, um, one being smaller animals like mice or rats. And then they need something larger that's more resembles humans. Um, so they'll use monkeys or 
other kinds of apes, that sort of thing. Um, the And they try to use as few animals as possible and try to do this in a very humane sort of way. One of the interesting statistics about all of this is... When they start testing compounds, the estimate is that only 5 in 5,000 compounds actually make it to the next step, which is human testing. And of those 5 in 5,000, only 1 in 5 actually end up making it to the market for a usable and safe drug. So you can see why... This process can be very expensive for drug companies because they have to go through so much to find just one thing that works. Now, um, with the vaccines, which I'll talk a little bit about uh, more about later, they actually did not, you know, use use uh, fungus or bacteria or whatever. Um, they had different. They found different methods to try to produce a vaccine. And as I said, I will talk about that later. But after the animal studies, if they're satisfied that the animal studies look good, that the drug seems like it, it does what it's supposed to do, and there were no terrible, terrible side effects, the next studies are usually done in a very closed environment with people, meaning people come in and, and may actually stay in a hospital setting for a while to be monitored. This is phase one of the drug development. Um, in phase one, they're really trying to determine the dosing of the drug, and they, act, they actually are looking at how the drug is handled in the body, how it's metabolized, and they even look at how it, it's excreted to find out what, how, you know, does it just go right through the body and then, you know, maybe not, be, it doesn't show any effectiveness or, and they also look for acute side effects. So just to really pop up stuff. Um, it's usually healthy volunteers. That's people who don't have the condition that's being treated. They're just really looking for the safety. Um, and they usually, in phase one, it's about 20 to 80 volunteers. Um, are used in those studies. So if the drug makes it past phase one, if they're satisfied with what this looks like, they go to phase two trials. This is more human, and these are the people who actually have the disease or the condition that that's being um, treated. And usually, I've seen different estimates, but it's 50 to 300 people are in those kinds of trials. And they're looking, they're really looking now because they've got the folks that have the um, the condition to find out whether the, the product has the potential to treat. Um, they gather further information on safety, and they also are looking for the preliminary data on the, um, the effectiveness of the drug. And that's really, that's also called the um, efficacy. Um, so, and they also, while they're looking at this, they, this helps them design the further studies with the drug, like how do they want to do it in future um, trials and what's the dosing like and that sort of thing. Um, so they, what they're really looking, the balancing act that they do when there's medication development is you, you want the drug to be effective with the lowest amount of the risks involved. 
uh, for um, for safety. So it really is a balancing act. Does it work? And are there few enough side effects that it's um, considered safe for people to use it? After phase two, you go to phase three. Now, this is important because you probably have heard on the news that there are vaccines in phase three. Phase three is lots more people, and um, it's usually people who have the condition, but with the vaccine, it's, it's going to be people that may be in contact with the virus. Um, Now, when I first did this presentation, they said that phase three trials usually involve about 1,000 to 3,000 people. However, I have seen two different vaccine studies that they're really going to make sure that they are seeing the, the vaccine in a lots of folks because they're going to try to enroll up to 30,000 people in the vaccine studies. And that actually is um, a good thing. I mean, 1,000 to 3,000 is a good sample of the population, but 30,000 is probably going to be better, and they're going to get people, more people, with um, all different life conditions and things like that so that they can see how effective the vaccine is going to be and they can also monitor the side effects. Um, in, in some medication development, when you're in phase two and phase three, there's different ways of looking at it. This is where you, you'll hear people talk about controlled trials, random controlled trials. And what they do is, okay, you, when you're testing a medication, you want to make sure that the medication is working and that it's not just some sort of happenstance, some fluke. Um, so what you do is you set up the trials so that you can compare. So either you compare the use of the medication with a medication that's already out there on the market. For instance, if they're trying to create a brand new, really great blood pressure medicine, they may compare their new, what the, what the FDA calls, the Food and Drug Administration calls the innovator drug, they may compare that to one that's already on the market and, and works. Or they may also compare it to, uh, you've probably heard the word, placebo. And placebo is just a dummy um, medication. For instance, you know, basically they call them sugar pills, but they're not, they're not really. And they try not to use that. Um, they try not to use that reference um, because if you do a study with children and you tell them you're going to give them a sugar pill, you, you biased your information because kids will, you know, think sugar pill the next thing since, well, sliced bread. But anyway, so they'll do either one or the other. A lot of times, this kind of structure for a study um, has to be done because, for instance, if you're doing um, using uh, developing a say cancer treatment and for very ill ill people, um, you you want to treat those people with the new medication, but you want to have your control group use something that's already out there. It would be inhumane not to treat somebody who, say, is terminally ill or um, can't go without some sort of medication. Um, The phase two 
phase three trials are usually over a longer period of time. And um, again, they're looking for the side effects, which you're more likely to see the side effects the longer the study is. Um, and they're they're also you know want to make sure that the the study is gonna um, is going to work. So that's phase three, and phase three trials are pretty much where. The the um, that kind of research stops. It then goes to the FDA, which I'll talk about here in a minute, and then it, it can be approved. Now, occasionally, if the drug is pretty complicated and it's fairly new, and the FDA is worried about uh, side effects, they may do a phase four trials and. Probably they're going to do some of these with the vaccines just because of the nature of it. Phase four trials are when the when the medication is already on the market and the Food and Drug Administration just wants to make sure that they're not going to run into problems. They want to keep kind of control of who's getting the medication, any of the side effects, if this is actually working. So once it's on the market, you're, you may be involved in a phase for um, study. And in phase four, again, they're looking for the long-term risks and benefits and also for the optimal use of it, like what, how, um, how much dose, the dose level and stuff. And you also, phase fours can also include other populations. For instance, um, you may have drug developed but only do it tested in adults. In a phase four trial, you might try um, testing it in children and using it in children and see and kind of see what you get. Um, the um, okay, we talked about control groups, which is um, that really is the scientific method that is the best way to test a drug. Um, to, to have something that you can compare it to to make sure that it's working. One of the other methods for when you do research to try to figure out if something's actually working is what's called, and we all know this word, is called blinding. And blinding, they, they actually talk about single blinding and double blinding, and it doesn't really have anything to do with one eye or two eyes. Um, but the, basically what happens is with blinding, and blinding also helps um, make the study um, results you know, look, look very, very good. If you have single blinding, what happens is the people that are administering the medication, they know which person's getting the controlled substance or the placebo, and they know which person is getting the real thing. Sometimes you have to do that just because of the nature of, um, nature of the drug. But the best way to do a study and to be sure that um, things are valid is to do double blinding. And double blinding is when the researcher, the people that are administering the medication and the um, subjects in the study, the patients in the study, neither of them knows which one they're getting. That is actually the um, best way. Um, if you have single blinding, just that the, the researcher, the person administrating the drug knows which one it is, they could inadvertently 
provide information to the subject that tells them which one they're on and um, you know, they they could possibly do things like they know somebody's getting a placebo, so they might inadvertently say something about, you know, you poor thing, or um, just be a little bit more uh, reticent or whatever, and that that's going to complicate the results because the because there is such a thing as the placebo effect. I mean, they they have studied it over and over again, and sometimes. When people's minds are really good at drumming up positive things, if you're told that a medication is going to work, uh, and I know I'm affected by this, um, I try a new medication for, say, headaches, and I really get into, oh, this is it. This is going to work. This is it. And, and for a while, yeah, it does. I mean, it, you know, your, your mind can do lots of good stuff like that. Um, but when you're doing research, you you can't afford to have that kind of um, bias. So the blinding of the studies, not knowing what you're getting, is um, gives the study validity. Gives make sure that it it um, everybody you know they know exactly when they look at the data that this is a result of the drug or this is this person had the placebo. So yeah, the the fact that their blood pressure didn't you know improve considerably or or whatever. Um, that that's because they had the placebo, not because of the medication itself. Um, so, um, so anyway, the other part of that, who gets, when you're doing a research study, who gets the medication and who gets the controlled substance or the placebo, that's all done randomly, usually done with computers. So it's it's kind of, the, um, in my notes it says, it's kind of a toss of the coin. So you you decide, excuse me. You decide how many people you want to get the control substance, or and you decide how many people are going to get the real thing, and then you randomly assign those to people. <clears throat> For um, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, okay, so that's basically the components of um, you know, of the studies. Um. And, and how the research study, how these are all done. So you have all your phases. You have an animal research phase. Phase one is a very small group of people just to make sure, and it's healthy folks, just to make sure that the drug is actually safe. Phase two is a few more people with the condition, and you want it, and you do a controlled trial. And then if it looks like it's fairly safe and it looks like it um, works, then you go to phase three where you get a lot more people and a lot better sampling um, of the population so you can find out even the more people you have, if there's going to be side effects, the more likely you are to see them. 
Okay, so that's um, basically um, how the process of developing the medication works. I'm going to quickly go over what happens going to the Food and Drug Administration. Um, again, with them, the first thing, they, don't, they aren't interested if all the, the uh, people developing the medications are doing animal studies. So they're not really in that, but the animal studies have to come first. And then the the drug company or whoever is developing the medication, they have to um, they have to put in an application that's called the investigational new drug application, and it is the thing that outlines what the properties of the drug, how they're going to do the human testing, and all, and it just gives an outline to the FDA of what they're thinking they're going to do. Um, then you you go through the the phase one trials. You go through all the phase um, the phase two trials and the phase three. Um, during that time period, the developer of the medication may be meeting with the FDA staff and talking to them about the work that they're doing, um, any problems that they see. Um, just helping them, just getting some information from them about it. When the phase three trials are done, then the the uh, company or whatever that's doing the me- the, tra- the um, experiments, they submit a. It's called an NDA, which is the formal step. It's the new drug application, and it's the formal step that goes to the FDA, and that. Um, the FDA has, now I saw in my notes, it says 60 days to reply to a new drug application. Online, I saw it says 30 days. I think they have tried to speed up because they want, they want, um, to get some medications to the market a little bit faster. Um, so they have to respond and say that they that they are going to review it, that they think that this medication has potential and that they're going to look at it. Then when they do look at it, um, they review everything. They look at all of the data from the trials. Um, they make sure that they see this, the safety and the effectiveness data. Um, they also go to where the, the medication is going to be manufactured and look at how it's going to be manufactured. They look at how the medication is going to be labeled, and they make sure that it's got the proper labeling. If there are side effects, they've got to make sure that that is, is put in the labeling. Um, so they they do all that work before a drug is approved, um, and then once it's approved, you either get a letter. The the um, the, the people get a letter um, from the company. I mean, from the FDA saying whether they the drug is ready for the market, it's approved, or it isn't. And they have to give really good reasons why they don't approve something. And it does happen. But um, anyway, and then that letter also includes whether or not they think there should be a phase four trial, like once it's to market, do you need 
need to continue the research. Um, when they're developing these medications, it's like I said before, it's very costly. Millions and millions and millions of dollars to, to come up with a new medication. And as we were looking at, very few that start is, you know, kind of a glint in somebody's eye actually make it to, um, to the market. A quick write-up. Now, sometimes you get, um, when, you're, when you're being put on medications, they talk about generic versus brand name. And I forgot to check on something, and I'm really sorry about that. How long, um, when, a, when a drug becomes, a new medicine is, becomes available, it's protected. Because of the cost in developing, it is protected from other forms of that medication being manufactured, the generics. And I'm not sure how long it is. It's um, it's probably it may be in the 20 year range. And I meant to look it up, and I forgot to do it. So um, and then also for various reasons, the FDA can apply exclusivity, meaning beyond the patent of the drug, beyond that length of time, they can also add in um, extra time for various reasons. So those two things come into play before a medication can um, become a generic. But once it is ready to become a generic, you, the, the company that wants to develop the generic actually has another application that they can send to the FDA. And the things about generics that you should know is that they have to meet the rigid standards of the, as the FDA calls it, the innovator drug, the brand name drug. Um, they, they must have, to get approval as a generic, they must contain the same active ingredients of the innovator drug. Um, the inactive ingredients may vary. Um, they have to be identical in strength, dosage, and route of administration. That means that if the medication, the brand name medication is a pill, you can't come up with, say, a liquid for a generic, okay? So it has to be the same, administered the same way. Um, it has to have the same indications, so it has to be used for the same condition. Um, B bioequivalent, which again is just the active ingredients have to be the same. Um, it has to meet the same batch requirements for identity, strength, purity, and quality, uh, and be manufactured under strict standards of the uh, Food and Drug Administration's good manufacturing pri um, practice regulations. So, so the, can I yeah. ask one question before sure. we get off that topic? Um, we had somebody tell us one time and uh, that generics only had to contain 75% the strength. So that's not really true then. That's not true. That's not true. They have to contain the same as the brand name. Now, they said they said there is some variance, um, but it was like they, they allow for, in some manufacturing, they allow for like a 3.5% um, slight variance. But 
generally, the thing that's going to make, um, if you ever have a problem with a generic, the thing that's going to make the difference is not the active ingredient in it. It's sometimes the inactive ingredient. For instance, I had a medication that I was started taking the generic and uh, got terribly itchy. And the one doctor and I decided that I probably have a sensitivity to yellow dye. And they they may have included that because generic drugs don't look like the brand name drug. Physically don't look like it because you can't you can't do that. They have to look differently. So they probably included the yellow dye to make the medication look differently. Well, it turns out I'm a little sensitive to that. So that caused the problem. I had to go to using the brand name drug, um, which is a bit on the expensive side, but it, you know, it just had to be done. So, um, but as far as the, as far as the active ingredients, it's got to be the same level, the same equivalent, everything. Um, and it is, it is approved and they, the um, FDA looks at all, looks at all of that stuff. So, okay. So that is basically a roundup of FDA, um, what the, F- the Food and Drug Administration does. Um, they regu- regulate a lot of things. Like they do look at food. They look at um, the prescription drugs, or even over-the-counter medications, um, the generics. Um, they do look at blood products. That's part of their thing. And the vaccines and bio- what they call vaccines and biologicals, which we're going to talk about right now. So, um, so what we're going to talk about is we're going to relate this to the vaccine studies that are going on right now so you can see what's, what is being done. Now, things are being done much more quickly than what they normally are. For instance, one of my articles I looked at, and I got my information from some NIH press releases. One of the articles said, normally, if you're starting from the ground up with a vaccine, it can take five to ten years to develop it. They're doing this in much quicker, much, much quicker um, because, of, because of the need. Um, so, anyway... First of all, let me tell you about, in case nobody's ever told you or you don't know, let me tell you about how the, what the virus looks like, the virus particle. It's kind of fun. Um, I talked to a good friend of mine, Sharon, who's a chemist, and she, she, so I said to her, I need to describe it. How do I describe it? She said, it looks like a malted milk ball that somebody spiked sugar on top of it. So they, like the sugar is projecting out of it and spikes. And I said, are the spikes all over? And she said, yes, the spikes are everywhere. So it's like a round ball with the spikes coming out of it. I said, oh, the, you know, a round ball that became a porcupine, you know. Um, so anyway, that's what it looks like. The spikes are really important because those are the things that infect. Those are the things that get into your cell, allow the virus to replicate, um, to, to duplicate itself and get in your body and do its nasty. Um, so that's, that's where we are with that. That's what it looks like, and that's what they, they got to work with. 
I saw this statistic yesterday on CNN. Um, right now, there are 35 viruses. Uh, viruses. Well, there probably are those, too. 35 vaccines in the pipeline that the different organizations are working on. I'm first going to talk a little bit about one that was in the news last week, and it's the virus that was developed in England, and it's being put out there by AstraZeneca. And um, they... Um, one of the things that's very interesting about that virus was you can tell that they're paying attention when they do these research, um, things like this. And even in the phase one, phase two, phase three, you have not only the people, you know, working on the virus, but you often have what's called a um, safety monitoring board and they watch the data and Evidently, what happened with the AstraZeneca virus, they had a very, they had somebody who was ill in England. It was some, some spinal infection and they, and he had, had the vaccine. So they stopped that, that trial right away. So they are looking out for things like that. Um, they, they started up again because I, I have not read any complete details, but it seems as though they don't think that that infection was related to the vaccine. So they've started the trial again. The one that's coming from AstraZeneca, by the way, in case you like this trivia, is called AZ as in zebra, D as in Debbie, 1222. And the way, what, the way it works is um, they took a... Um, it, they said it's a non-replicating, so it's it's a it's a, a virus. It's called an adenovirus that cannot reproduce, and they um, and they load that virus up with one of the little spike proteins from from the from the virus itself, from the COVID nineteen virus, and um, they inject that. In and that the immune system sees that, sees that as a foreign thing and mounts the fight. That way, if you are, you know, what they're hoping is then down the road, if you're infected with the real COVID-19, your immune system says, aha, I know this, boom, out with you. So um, that that's how they think this is going to work. Now, I read somewhere that they were not doing animal studies for these vaccines, that they were going right to people. Well, it turns out that that's not, it may be true of some of the vaccines, but it's not true for all of them because the, the um, AZD1222 um, was tested in the Rocky Mountain Laboratory in Montana by NIH um, in, <clears throat> in um, monkeys. And uh, Reese's monkeys and uh, mice. Like I said, remember I said they use a little form, which are the mice, and then they use these uh, macaque, Reese's macaque monkeys. Um, the phase three of this one is underway, as we know. They're going to use 30,000 people. What's interesting about this is 10,000 of those people are going to get the placebo. So they're going to get like a saline, you know, a, just a saltwater shot or something. Um, they, they want to see, you know, that again, they're still testing. They want to find out if, um, you know, for some reason, people, people's bodies form immunity, you know, even without the vaccine. They 
They want to make sure the vaccine works. So um, that's what's happening with the AstraZeneca uh, one. Another one that I picked up, um, the, the last press release I have on this is in July, July 16th. And this is a vaccine that um, was worked on by the folks at NIH. They have a whole center that's called the Vaccine Research Center, um, Building 50. I know about that building because when it was being built, you couldn't walk in that area. The construction was so bad. But anyway, um, it's NIH in Moderna, which is out of Cambridge, Massachusetts. And this one, they're doing a little bit differently. They, they use... They used a um, they used a complex that it's something that they had developed from a previous SARS uh, virus back in 2008-2009, and it is just a um, it's it's called mRNA non-infective mRNA, and mRNA is our uh, RNA in your body takes the information from your genes and moves it to whatever processes needs to be in the body. Uh, mRNA has to do with proteins. So this mRNA is injected into your body. It goes, it goes into the muscle, um, and it tells your body to produce one of those virus proteins, those spiky things, and then your body says, uh-uh, that's a that's bad, and it'll produce the immune response. Um, by the way, one of the interesting things I said that the virus was developed. In, most most vaccines are developed in five to ten years. However, for them to get that vi- vaccine to test, they only took sixty six days from the time they saw the layout of the genes on the internet to the time that they had come up with um, the structure for this vaccine. Wow, that's this fast. One, yeah, that is fast. And they did, they, they're just, that's why they call some of this stuff is in warp speed. Um, this one's called mRNA-1273. And they are now in phase, they did phase one and phase two trials. One of the interesting things about the phase one trial, they tried different levels of um, dosages. They tried 25, um, uh, I think it was milligrams, 25, 100, and 250. And what they discovered, and this is why you do all this research, what they discovered was the 250 was too strong. It, the people got two bad reactions. Um, they they got two injections of it, and after the second injection, they, you know, they really had a lot of tiredness, um, headache, feet, you know, just it just was too much. So the in the trials, they're using 100 um, because the 250 was just too much. Um, they're also going to put in their phase three trial. It's 30,000, and um, they're going to try to target hard-hit populations. So you're talking about first responders, uh, people, and then also people in uh, minority communities. Um, another quick note, they, they uh, got worried that um, the you know that we weren't going to get a vaccine fast enough. So there's been some research with sort of short-term solutions, and one of them is um, they they made it's called a monoclonal antibody, and this thing um, 
is made by the immune system. It is a protein made by the immune system to fight things. And this one would fight the COVID-19 virus. And they're using that and injecting that into folks to see if they can give them some immunity until the real until the vaccine comes along. So that that's one way that they're looking at this. And um, they they are um, they're looking at folks in that study who are close with somebody who has the virus who or who just is diagnosed with the virus and they want to find out if having this uh, in their system will keep the virus symptoms down. Another that's pretty, one. That's pretty interesting subject. Yeah. I, mean, I guess so. Yeah. Well, I, I could and talk what, about this stuff all day. One last thing is that there is another company using the same kind of approach, but instead of manufacturing in the lab the monoclonal antibody, they took it from a um, a uh, COVID nineteen patient, and they then they develop it from there. And they they're very interested. This particular study is very interested in going to like nursing homes and people in closed. Um, environments like that to test it and again this this kind of structure only gives you immunity for a short they they think for a short time and it's it's kind of a stopgap for um waiting for a vaccine to come that's really interesting (laughs) yeah that is basically the information that i have today um i have no idea when these vaccines will become available the scientists are trying to be as rigorous as they can in as short a period of time um you you have to wait a little bit for the phase three trials to look at the results down the road um to see what side effects you're getting and if it actually does give you some immunity for a length of time um so i don't you know, my my guess would be we're not going to see something like this till in the next year, um, because it just it take it does even though we want things very quickly for this virus, it, we you do have to be as careful as you can be. Um, so that's that's all the information I have for today. And, it's exciting uh, thanks stuff. for listening. It yeah. is. It's it's. I love this stuff. I was the kid in junior high that used to do all of my reports on in science on diseases, and I, <laughs> I spent my, my free time in my ba- my background is when I was a little girl, I wanted to be a doctor or a nurse very badly. I did and, too. I wanted. To, yeah, my and. You know, and then I found out that when you're blind, it's not really the best choice. Right. And then, right. and then when I um, later on, when I decided to um, get my social work, my master's, uh, I found out that you could be a medical social worker. Yeah, and that that it, that became my dream, and that's how I ended up at NIH because I really, really was, you know, I wanted to be in the medical environment, and I in. Social work was the way to get in, so that's the way I did it. Great. Well, I would like to thank you a lot for Absolutely. doing this demo. And I'd also like to remind folks that at the end of this demo, Debbie will be available for taking questions. About, about this or the mantis. Right. So, if you have any questions, you can always email Bill Sparks or... You can call us during this live broadcast at 
646-558-8656. That's 646-558-8656. When you're asked for a meeting ID, enter 848-725-450. That's 848-725-450. When asked for user ID, press pound, and you will be in the room where you may ask your question or make your comment about this presentation. All right. That's it for now. Thank you, Debbie, very much. Thank you. And everyone stay tuned next week for another, another exciting, exciting demo. demo. And Chris and Dave, I believe Debbie is here right now, as a matter is, of fact. Yes. She is. She's here. She is. That was very, yes. very good. So, yes, I am here. Am I on? Yes. You are, you are on, Debbie. You are on. Yes. Um, I, I need a quick before, because I know you have other things you want to do, but something news has been committed since I recorded that yesterday morning. Um, the AstraZeneca um, vaccine trials in were continued in UK, but the NIH is very concerned about the uh, episode that they that they had, and they were not getting enough information. They're not satisfied with what they're getting, so they're being very cautious, and they have not picked up the trials here. Well, Debbie, I got to so, ask you one, one question though. If Donald Trump is the president, and he's going to try to force this vaccine uh, bef- at, at some time in January or even before the election. What I mean, what are the chances of that happening at this point? He he seems to have a lot of political clout to change the minds of uh, of the, the Center for Disease Control and all that stuff. So what I mean, do you think that? Well, the, the Center for the Disease Control doesn't have much to do with the vaccine um, research. Because NIH is basically the funder, and they so they are controlling the a lot of the purse strings and in a lot of the studies. And and the scientists have said they're not going to you know they're going to try to do this the the right way. And if it's not ready, it's not ready. So um, I know it's a tough one, and it's um, and it really is, and it's it's unfortunate that it's gotten like that. But no, they. I don't believe we're going to have anything, definitely not before Election Day, because they're just, what, like this AstraZeneca thing, they, they don't want to pick that back up. They're, they're really concerned. It was evidently, now they're not sure, but it was evidently a very, it was a very bad infection. So, uh, in fact, they had another case of the kind of spinal infection that they found earlier, but they discovered that that person um, had MS that they didn't know about. So that that one they ruled out as being a problem with the vaccine. But this one, so far, we don't know has been ruled out. And they're just being very cautious. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. I mean, I don't want to get this thing. I don't have it. But I I know why they... The governments would like the vaccine to come out as quickly as possible, Deb, because we have we've got places here where the economy is ruined, and you know, I mean that. Oh yeah, no, yeah, no. But if I a bunch of people that. get sick and die from the vaccine, the economy is going to be ruined anyway. Ruined anyway. Yeah. Well, there are people. You, you, there are people who say that. that well, I'm not going to go into that. So, yeah, but we have two hands raised. So. <laughs> okay. I'm not, I'm not going to. We have two hands raised, Bill. So, do you want me to get to those or? Yeah, go ahead. Can you unmute yourself, Joe, in Albuquerque, New Mexico? And, Bill, you'll be next after Joe. Okay, thank you very much. This is one of the most exciting of all exciting demos I have ever heard on this program. The opinion is mine. And, anyway, um, 
You know, it's, it's interesting about the vaccine. One vaccine that really hurt because I'm, I'm 79 now and a couple of years ago, uh, my doctor said, we want to keep you alive much longer. So you have to have this pneumococcal pneumonia because people wind up in the hospital. And I'm telling you, that's the only that vaccine hurt. Oh, man. And I talked to another nurse who was uh, over 65. And I, I've had a lot of vaccines, but oh, ouch! I don't know what was in it. Maybe you know the, the pneumococcal pneumonia. Oh, if you're over seventy-five and you have to take a just take a deep breath because it pain is going to be part of it. It it you know it a lot of that really depends on the substance that they have to inject the size of the needle and sometimes it just has to do with did the person accidentally hit a nerve um, that, that they normally don't hit I mean you know so it, it I you know and I'm not I'm not a uh, I'm a medical social worker but that's about as far as it goes so I can't really say um, beyond that but those are the things that can contribute to it. Um, the size, the size of the needle that they have to use, and the, um, and then even when you're getting an injection, just try to remember to relax because that always helps a little bit with the um, with the after effects. I'm not saying that um, you know for for you that that would have solved the problem, but it it does help very often. Just relax your arm um, about that. Do we have another? Oh, we have person? a few questions Thank here. You. So, Bill, okay. would you would you unmute yourself out in Chicago, Illinois, please? Echo. Yeah, real. Volume okay. one. You there? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, okay, Bill. I heard something volume one. I know Don't talking. worry about it, Bill. Um, Just go ahead. Okay. Uh, Debbie is a great demonstration. And the thing, you gave the whole details. The thing people don't realize, vaccine takes a long time to develop. Because if you look at, I, I grew up during the polio era. And mm. polio was back in the 30s and that. And it did wasn't really, the vaccine wasn't solved until Salk discovered it in 1950. And it took another 29 years to eradicate it in the United States. So, I mean, the people that think this is going to be eradicated by the end of the year or so is, is way out there in dreamland. Yeah, because that's, you know a, that's a really it, good point. That's, right, because you know, it doesn't take 30 days or 60 days to get a vaccine. No, and that, that's a very good point. Um, it, 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 some of the history, and that's why there's a lot of concern, because there's been a couple of oopses um, along the way. Um, and one of them was with, and I don't know the history precisely, but one of them was with one of the polio vaccines. They had a problem with it. and then that one actually people, it gave people polio. Yeah. What about, what about were, you working, were you working for NIH back in 1976, Debbie? No. Okay. No, but I know about that one, and that, that was that, a swine flu. One of my room, reason, yeah. my roommate got beyond my roommate got paralyzed from it. Went out from college. Not he was he was very lucky. He was not completely paralyzed, but he did have a he does still have a form of Guillain-Barre syndrome, which he has partially paralyzed. I mean, he can walk and he can, but it did affect him. Yes. And that's the thing they're looking at. And then it turned out that, that they were starting to develop that vaccine, and it turned out that the swine flu wasn't as it wasn't the pandem- pandemic that we have now. So they, no. they ended up with kind of a, you know, a, you can never know what's going to happen, but that one turned out. That's why they're being very careful. That's why they're worried about this spinal infection in, in the U.K. One One argument I always get from people is, why should I get a flu shot? Because it's 
it's inoculating me against last year's flu. How's that going to do any good this year? They try their best to get the most recent stuff that they can. And and even if it doesn't cover you completely, it's still some of that old flu is still going to be around. So it's good. You know, it's still a good thing to cover to get covered, because if you can get, you know, for instance, my poor mom, she did not have her flu shot one year, got uh, the flu, very bad fever and had a seizure in her kitchen. So you don't want to, you know, you don't, it's especially, uh, well, everybody these days should have flu shots, but uh, us older folks, you know, we need to be careful. What I have Um, seen said that they watch the Southern Hemisphere, who's having winter when we're having spring and summer, and that they do their best to try and predict how it's going to mutate. Yep. That's that's a factor that's in it. Ellen, you have a question. Would you like to talk, would you like to ask Debbie a question? Can you unmute yourself, Ellen? Okay, go ahead, Ellen. Okay. Here I am. <laughs> now my phone was being a little weird. Anyway, um, two two quick questions here. One um, with these trials. How long are the act between with the like the phase one trial, how long does that last? How long does the phase two trial last? How long does phase oh, three? Oh, good questions. And I don't have it written down. The phase three things can go as long as like three months. Um, the, others oh, okay. are, the others are shorter. Um, but it and, also depends on how much monitoring they want to do after um, you've had the, after you've had the, if it's a vaccine like this. So how long do they want to watch those people? That gets that gets so it depends on the medication and you're I did not write that down so I'm not completely no, sure. That's okay. Um, I've got the other one I have is on the flu. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention this, but I'm going to do it now. The on the flu vaccine. Um, what do they do when they 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 look at the old flu vaccine and and try to tweak it, tweak it. For the um, new strains, because I saw where there's a, three new strains of flu that that's come out. So what do they do? They adjust the vaccine accordingly to try to cover. I mean, try to. Yeah, yeah, and and it probably depends on what strains they have versus if they have to start from the ground up or if they have to, um, or if they just like you said, if they just tweak it and are able to add. Usually these things are like, you know, inactive viruses, something to get your immune system to um, to look at them. I, I don't have precise information on that. So but it that, probably that's should usually help. what they have to do. Yeah, so it probably should help as far as uh, combating both the flu and the COVID, right? No. The COVID, um, the COVID-19 virus is actually considered what they call a novel virus. And it's, it's a kind of in a different family from your, from the flu, from the influenza virus. So its structure it looks, is different. I don't, it don't, don't ask me what the vi- those influenza viruses look like, but the structure is different. And I believe the way that it, it infects is different. So it's novel. And that's why we're going to have to have two separate things, the flu shot and the vaccine. Yeah, I kind of figure, figured that as well. I just wanted to figure out how to differ, how to figure out the difference between 
the flu and the COVID. Are well, you the COVID talking virus about, says, you're talking about the symptoms, Ellen? Um, yeah, like say if somebody's come down with both, how do they know the difference uh, between... Well, that's yeah. where getting a flu shot would at least help narrow it maybe a little, and then they have to test, is my yeah. understanding. Yeah. Well, one, of the big, one of the big things with COVID, Ellen, is that uh, if you get COVID, you may not have a symptom immediately, and if you get the symptoms, the, one of the biggest symptoms that they find is the loss of taste and the loss of smell. Uh, that 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 is that is a major warning sign that you may have had this virus, and it's not like you have a cold. It does it does not affect the sinuses under normal circumstances like that. Although it can it can um, you can get pneumonia with as a result of the virus. But the big symptom is a loss of taste and smell and and the fever. Yeah. And also, yeah. a lot of folks who have it, they, they who really get a, a bad dose of it, notice that they have trouble breathing. And usually with the flu, you, you, that's not something that pops up right away. So um, the difficulty, anytime you have, you have unexplained, all of a sudden you have difficulty breathing, you need to get medical assistance. There's just no two ways around it. Um, that's not normal to have trouble, all of a sudden have trouble breathing. So you need medical help at that point. So I think we're running a little on the late side. We have Shirley and And we also have Alan. Let me get to Shirley. Can you unmute yourself, please? Hit star six on your touchstone phone. Go ahead. First of all, I apologize for earlier. I thought I came into the call muted, so I'm very, very sorry. Um, We got it. Also, I wanted to um, thank you for this presentation. This was just absolutely phenomenal. So thanks so much for doing it. I really appreciate the fact that you addressed the generic drugs because we actually did have a nurse um, at a, a diabetic session that we went to telling us that we were only getting, you know, something like uh, it only had to be half of the strength or I can't remember the number she gave us. Uh, as far as the generic drug, and that really concerned me. So, um, you know, I really appreciated knowing that you're you're obviously very bright and know your field, and I just really appreciate what you did for us today. So um, I I heard this week that the shots may be, uh, they're talking like you would have to have two injections, um, maybe uh, several weeks apart, and then three or four years later, you might have to have a booster. Have you heard much about that as far as the vaccine? I haven't heard about the booster, but both of the studies that we looked at, both of the vaccines, and um, I didn't mention, I mentioned it with the the one that NIH is working on, um, they they are like a shot, they are two shots for the most part, um, because they don't, they think that's how you're going to build up the immunity. So that is right. that's another reason why this is going to be crazy. <laughs> this is going to be wild to get this administered to folks. So, but okay. yeah, right now it looks like they're two. Thank you, Shirley. All right, mm-hmm. Alan, can you? Oh, can you? Oh, can you unmute yourself, Alan Ramos, please? Okay. Go ahead, Alan. Are there any studies uh, in other countries being looked at? Do you mean as far as other 
developing as other are developing vaccines. drugs yes as other developing vaccines so are there any yeah uh, well then there there probably are others that i that i don't know about but the one that we all know about is the one by that was developed at oxford university in the uk that's the that's the, the astrazeneca one i don't know of others but there may be i further brother draw studies being done in the soviet union and in china are those being considered? You know what? You know what? I don't. Uh, yes. Yes. Now that you say that, you prompt me. Yes. Um, there, there's been some concern because the one in the Soviet Union doesn't have um, we don't get we don't have enough information about okay. it to know if it's safe and whatever. Um, they have worked on them in China, but I don't know anything about that um, because of where it came from. I think okay. they have worked on it. You're right. Can I ask you one final question? Because I know that we're running into Tim's time. Can you tell me what does a medical social worker do? That, that... Uh, medical social workers, we generally work in hospitals um, and provide services to patients like um, getting them set up with aftercare, um, like therapy and even social work and um, making sure they have the equipment they're supposed to have and just all those sorts of things. That's usually the kind of work that a medical social worker does. Um, so, and we, and they also, we also work in programs like hospice to provide support for folks in hospice and their families, things like that. Thank you, Debbie. Mm-hmm. Well, it looks like we're running into Tim's time here. <laughs> yes. Hey, Tim, maybe you can play that, that thing by the Fireside Theater called Beat the Reaper on their first album, or the second album. <laughs> to the sixth. Uh, yes, I don't know if that would be such a great idea. Oh, I but. think it would be great. I, I guess Debbie has heard it, too. No, but just the name. That's enough. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, actually, it's actually a very good comedy cut. It's actually quite it's, funny, it's, actually. Are, are you uh, there, Bill? Yes, I'm right here. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm right here. Um, I was going to mention that um, excellent uh, report that you did or information that you gave. And uh, I've had some experience with the National Institutes of Health because they were doing a study on retinoblastoma, which Uh is – and so uh, they actually came out and did a bunch of tests on – well, members of my family and me. Aha, <laughs> uh-huh. yes. So you have, yes, you know what it can be like. Oh, man. Yep. They so, come up with tests with other people never thought of. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yes, indeed. It, it so, was anyway. And uh, I should mention, Bill, that we have a couple of calls relating to earlier stuff. They're, we they're pretty short. those in. And thank Debbie for her wonderful, very, very interesting. I'm just sitting here fascinated listening. So thanks again, You're quite Debbie. Welcome. Debbie, it was okay, really a pleasure working with you today. Thank you. I really enjoyed the okay. talk. Thank you. Good, good. Thank you very much. I thought thanks it was a lot, Debbie. My own uh-huh. issues with the hospital last night, early this morning, but I survived it. So, oh, my. And I'm here to talk about it, so that's good. All right. Should I go ahead? Yes, go ahead, Tim. Hi, this is Nancy. About the optic grill, do not lift up the cover when the meat is cooking because that will automatically screw up your sensor. 
you can still smell the meat and that'll give you an idea of where you are but if you set the meat for how you want it done then you don't lift up that cover until the till you hear the beeps that indicate that the meat is done at the setting you put it at all right bye-bye Okay, there's one, and the other one is from Nancy also. Hi. For the Cuisinart oven, there are two different sizes. Perhaps in the large one that costs $199, you might be able to put a 9 by 13 pan. I have the one that costs 149 You can put an 11 by 7 pan in there, 8 by 8 um, 9 by 9 Otherwise, I wouldn't recommend anything larger than that. Yes, you can put a 12-inch pizza in it. You can lay it right on the, <clears throat> the rack, like the oven rack. It comes with three pans. It has uh, uh, the basket, which is like a, um, well, it's a pan. It, it has uh, higher sides that you can do uh, the air frying in. There's a rack you can use for air frying. And then there's a pan that you can use. Um, it's like a um, jelly roll pan. It's pretty shallow, but it's, it, I haven't used it yet. And then also there's a drip pan on the very bottom, <clears throat> and you can just take that out and clean it after you've cooked. But it's it's really, really nice. I haven't had a chance to use it yet. I'm getting it marked. But um, anyway, uh, that's I just wanted to share that so you'd know. Okay, take care. Bye. Thank you, Nancy. That works. Um, it works. That oven works. And so it, it's good for a lot of people. Now, don't, guys, do not do what I did last night. I only have a couple days left in Florida, and I thought, well, I'll just order from Cracker Barrel. Well, I was doing okay, but for rarity for me, I got a piece of chocolate cake. Well, normally, I just don't eat chocolate cake. My blood sugar went from below 90 to up to 250, and I could not get it down. And it was that way till about 2 or 3 o'clock this morning. And I don't like being up that high. So I know now that probably a chocolate cake with Coke or whatever they put in it, chocolate fudge cake, will be something I'm going to have to leave aside. But do not do that. Um, but I'm okay now. I was at showtime today when I checked on break. I was at 69 on my blood sugar. So whenever the bottom fell out, it fell out. But... Um, don't do that. So do we have anything else? Is anybody still here? I think that's it. That's it. We're yep. done. We're, We're done. all caught up. We are We are all caught up. And we'll get the recipe next week. That's yeah. fine. Because I don't have one today anyway, really. So, but anyway, I'm going to the doctor tomorrow. <laughs> so hopefully we can get these meds under control and something like that doesn't happen again. So... Off we go. Radio Tim, it's your turn. This will be up for a podcast. And we want to thank Debbie again. Excellent. And as soon as I can find the stop switch, Tim. And 
I just found it. Almost. 